Hi, my name is Layla. And I'm Willow. And we're psychos. And we definitely spelled that right. Oh, 100%. <laughs> Absolutely 0% that we spelled that wrong. What are you talking about? Yeah, 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 So this is the Halloween episode because this week, this Saturday, as you're listening to it, is hopefully is Halloween. Oh, it's going to be Halloween by the time you listen. It's going to be before Halloween by the time you listen to Hopefully, this. Hopefully. Unless you're like re-listening to our stuff, which in case, oh my god, thank you. Oh my god, what the fuck? That's crazy. That's crazy. Yeah, but we're going to be reading our No Sleep, which is so fun because I have to be at work at 7 o'clock in the morning tomorrow. Yeah, I don't have work tomorrow, but I hopefully I'll be reading the more creepy ones, so. That doesn't mean I won't hear them. That, that's true. You're right. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, we will be reading, uh, the Reddit thread No Sleep, which is a huge thread on Reddit that oh. is extremely known for just, like, quote, real life stories, which some of them I genuinely believe, and some of them I'm like, hmm, maybe not. Some of them I'm generally like, oh, okay, so that definitely happened to you, dude. There's no yeah. way that it didn't. There's some of them, like, the, okay, I don't have this, like, in my queue or anything. Like, we're gonna be scrolling, we've never gone through our no sleep, and we're gonna be going through it live as I've, like, record. heard it, like, on YouTube videos, like, when oh, me Corpse too. reads it. But, but like, have you, have you heard of some of the ones of, like, the staircases in the middle of the woods? Yes, I fucking heard those! I hate those. I fucking heard those. I those was like, freak me out. I, I, I kind of want to walk up the staircase, though. Those freak me out so much. Those I'm are like, the ones where I'm like, fuck that, dude. But... <laughs> Layla's gonna be starting with one of her with one of the stories that she found interesting. She hasn't read the entire thing yet, but she read the title and thought it was interesting. I have one that I've heard like snippets of, but I know that the title is like definitely something that I've seen before. And uh, we will be going through our no sleep this this week. And depending on how long it is, who fucking knows? Who fucking knows? This might be a longer episode, this ladies. Is a, this is a Halloween episode. Who fucking cares? We Halloween bitches. We Halloween hoes. This is literally the description of this podcast is we live from one Halloween to, to the, the next. next. This is our life. So this is our life. This yeah. is our life. We have Ouija board blankets. And <laughs> like, bitch, are you kidding me? Like, we, I'm like sitting next to our like ser- our slasher painting of them yeah. sitting by a poker table when you first enter our home it's elm street like we have a ouija board blanket and two different ouija boards in this house we have we are not set. fucking playing we're not playing. i didn't spell work today and it worked <laughs> bitch i came from home from work and she came out of her room and she was like staring at me and i was like oh god what are you staring about did you clean your room and she goes no i'm doing spell work i was like oh, okay and i did it and cut to three hours later it worked I hate you. (laughs) So let's start with some fucking Arno sleep, dude. All right. This first story is called Something Might Be Wrong with Emma. With Emma. I can't read the name Emma without saying Emma. Don't go near the water, Emma. Don't go near the water, Emma. (laughs) Emma, no. All right. This is kind of a long one, so so bear with me while I can't read. I trudged down the stairs from my bedroom. Today is no ordinary day. Today is my birthday. And that means the torture will be redoubled. The only bright side was the potential for gifts, like a new dog or a laptop. I don't want to throw a joint party, but I'm not sure who would show up for Amelia's if we separated them. The tug on my heart is barely perceptible anymore. Just a slight twinge, really. Don't mind me, just the less favored daughter coming through, I announced loudly. 
My old slippers slap loudly as I pose in the kitchen doorway as usual. My parents cringe at the sight of me. I clench my fist, a smile frozen on my face. Happy birthday, honey. We were just making you pancakes. Why don't you go take a shower and get ready? But I am ready, I say, and I swear I can see my mom actually wince. I only thought people winced in books or when they pulled out a splinter. She exchanged a look with my father. His says... Go easy, it's her birthday, but my mom has always been bad at taking orders. I'll see you later, kiddo, he says. (laughs) Sorry. (laughs) Planting a kiss on the top of my head and giving me a wink before bowing out. Now, if you would only run a brush through that bird's nest, my mom mumbles and I grunt. Pulling down a mug for coffee before I'm able to lift the pot, I find myself pinned to the counter. Mom, I yell but she's furiously yanking a brush through my hair. I'm unable to throw her off, so I endure the hard brushing. It wouldn't be painful if she just stopped pressing into my scalp so hard. Had enough? I ask through my gritted teeth. My mom's hand slows, and I take advantage of the hesitation and duck around her, holding the mug of coffee poured during my torture session. Who is Emma? I don't know. Okay. It was times like these I missed the family dog, Chester, who used to pounce on my mom when she grabbed any of us in a confused attempt to play. Morning, Leah, my sister. Emma is grinning at us from the door I just came through. Happy birthday, runt, I say, cheerfully punching her in the arm. She cheerfully kicks for my knee, but I'm too fast for her. Do I smell pancakes? Mom's birthday special, I say, sitting on one of the bar stools that crowd our kitchen island. Speak of the devil, my mom still hadn't greeted her favorite daughter. I looked over at her. She examined the brush. Looking for something? I asked. She pinches the two strands of hair caught in the bristles between her fingers, frowning. She looks from the brush to me and back again. I raise, my eye- I raise an eyebrow and look to my sister, Emma, who's taken over pancake duty. I twirl my manicured finger next to my temple in the universal sign for crazy. By the time breakfast ends, we're running late for our shifts. Emma and I are usually scheduled together since we have one pair of wheels between us. A situation my sister clearly despises at the moment. Emma is drumming her nails and arms against and legs crossed as she stares out the side window. We'll make it in plenty of time, I lie. She continues her silent treatment. I slow to the stop of a red traffic light. Emma groans and I fight the urge to roll my eyes. I can't control the damn traffic. I'm sorry, Emma says. You, you? Sorry? I'm shocked. I'm only half joking, she sighs. I just hate being late. <laughs> sure, because someone had to be the boring sister. Shut up. You know Jack works the shift right before us, and he's always rushing out. Aw, and that's so cheesy and cute, I tease, and her face flushes a deep red. She reminds me of her six-year-old self when she gets embarrassed like that. I look around. There's no one coming. The light is... Still glaring a bright red. Oh, fuck it. I run the light. <laughs> Us. Literally. Ah, <sighs> oh, fuck it. Much to Emma's consideration, I stop almost immediately. Leah, don't. There is... There, in the road ahead of us, is a beautiful black skinny kitten. A mangy dog. Something that might have been a blonde terrier mix of some sort. Hops on three mud-covered legs nearby. I reach a dental hand out, and the dog hops closer, nose extended, tail wagging. The kitten is mewling and quivers when I pa- place it in a makeshift swaddle using my hoodie. Are we about to fuck this cat? <laughs> I hope not. 
I really Christ. hope not. I didn't read this through beforehand. We both didn't. I opened the back door, letting the dog hop into my old, tiny, gray mom car and deposit the kitten into my sister's lap. She squeals, but I ignore her protests, driving on towards our destination with our new buddies. Aww. Aww. <laughs> I'm going to call you Butterscotch. <gasps> I would call him Butterscotch. It's a Butterscotch. I would do that too. I tell the dog, grinning as it pants in appreciation. These could be carrying diseases, my sister says. Fuck off. And she's probably right. (laughs) I said fuck off. I'll get them shots. She glares at me. You thought of that just now, didn't you? I remain silent. You never thought about diseases wild animals might carry. Do you ever think ahead? I guess that's why I'm lucky to have you, I croon, poking her arm. We arrive at the pool, and surprise, surprise, M has plenty of time to flirt with Jack. Jack cringes, cringes when he sees me, so I opt to leave when the, I, I opt to leave them alone. My birthday gift to her, I suppose. Between the animals and the lifeguarding, my day falls by. You guys don't think I look strange, right? Asks the butters, I ask the butterscotch and the kitten. I, what the fuck? I ask the butterscotch in the kitchen. Both of whom have been fed and watered. Butterscotch licks my face, and I take a as a positive sign. I look in the mirror, staring at my reflection, and pull up a photo of Emma. I wonder if I'm being gaslighted. Fuck you. <laughs> Not for the first time. Oh. I turn away, jamming my phone into my pocket. It's not worth agonizing over. Our shift ends, but Emma hangs out with Jack just so I lay out, enjoying the sunlight and warmth. I fall asleep and finally wake up to Butterscotch licking my hand. My sister and Jack are gone. I had a guess. My sister had already lost her shirt when I found them in Jack's car. I am so not your chauffeur. Get a ride home from Loverboy. Emma shrieks, covering herself. But my eyes are drawn to her makeout body, buddy. Jack looks embarrassed, but also a bit pale and sticky. While I wouldn't be sharing any food or drinks with Emma for a few days. Damn. Not a true sister. No. Not a true sister, damn. Honestly, though. I pack up the animals into my silver mom jeep and wait Me. a minute for Emma to stumble to the car, glaring daggers. You couldn't let me finish having my fun, she snaps. Grouchy horn dog, I tried. Oh, no. Not horn dog. Not a horn dog. <laughs> That night was birthday cake and celebrating with my family. My parents put up some re- resistance, but I think they were secretly pleased to have Butterscotch and Diva, the name my mom gave our kitten. They'd missed having animals since Chester. He died young from cancer, and it was hell to watch a dog go through that. My mom gives me a longer look than usual at dinner table. Yes? I finally ask if she's zoned out on my forehead for the third time. She straightens and laughs. The third time. <laughs> Nothing, nothing, love. She chuckles, running her fingers through my hair a few times. I sigh. It's nice not to be fighting for once. Although, again, the majority of the fanfare is centered around Emma. All my carefully applied makeup is just to get my parents not to wince. And it seems I succeeded. Maybe they're right when they say teenagers have vanity issues. (laughs) The next day, I take Butterscotch and Diva to the vet, preparing to pay sinfully for their shots and checkups. Both animals are in a surprisingly good health, all things considered, so I leave in a fairly good mood. Emma has disappeared with Jack, and I find myself wondering about love love lives. I've had an incredible lack of romantic attention thrown my way, which is surprising because I pause. Butterscotch patiently sipping her ground around my feet and Diva purring against my ribs while I pull out my phone. I open a photo of Emma and I. 
I really must be going crazy. I shut the phone off and turned my eyes to the sky with a deep breath. My eyes open with butterscotch when butterscotch opens, which butterscotch yanks my arm out from its socket by trying to chase a bird stupid enough to wander within leaping range. Diva yowls and sinks her claws in my arms, leaping on top of my shoulder for a better balance. Lucky for the bird, I'm stronger than a 40-pound mutt, but just barely. 40-pound mutt. We need to work on our manners, I say, wrestling the cat from my neck and taking them to the car. My phone buzzes and I answer as I hop between the wheel. Diva riding shotgun and butterscotch in the back seat. Okay, birthday ideas, my dad says. What kind of party would you want this weekend? I'm okay with whatever M wants, I say, a studied line I've said ever since 8th grade. But both of... But, but you both work for the pool. I'm not sure why she wants a party there, he says, whispering. It's easy. It's cheap. We get free snacks. I don't know. At least she didn't want a horse this time. He laughs at that. There's a pause. Dad, you there? I'm here, princess. I just... I've never gotten called princess by my father. Oh, my dad used to call me princess. Maybe like twice. Now the, Whenever the, I was a baby. Now the guy I'm, I'm seeing calls me princess. This has not gotten creepy yet. I know, I'm waiting I'm for the scared. creepy. I'm scared. Okay. I'm scared, though, because it's not creepy yet. And then it's going to all hit. Yeah, okay. Either it's all going to hit, or this is going to be a waste of my fucking time. <laughs> I just, you know, it matters what you think, too. I want you to have a good time at your birthday. At that moment, the sunlight of the tarmac makes my eyes water. Thanks, I really don't mind the pool, though. Really? Pinky promise. I rub the back of my hand against my eyes, and my vision clears. Okay, princess, I'll see you tonight. Butterscotch wretches head against my shoulder, licking my cheek. I chuckle and pat him. Diva primly shares it, primly stares at me from her seat, cleaning her paw. The pair of them are brimming with health compared to yesterday. It's amazing what a bath and food can do. Aww. I barely see Emma over the next couple days. I, I assume she's chauffeured around by her new fella, as <laughs> Gigi always said. Gigi. <laughs> Damn, good game. Which gives me the car to myself, so I don't mind. My mom has already claimed Diva as her own, and the cat sleeps in my parents' room now, while Butterscotch barely leaves my side. I see Em at work, but she's switched her schedule to work the same sh- shifts as Jack. Jack is looking rough. The very rough. all-American athletic look only works when the man is eating. Um, what? Is this like a fucking Jennifer's body situation? I fucking hope so. I hope so, too. <laughs> Keep going. It's Friday, two, two days before a joint birthday shindig. I'm feeling a little confident and jaunty because... Are they twins? I don't know. It, it didn't okay, say. It whatever. just says they're sisters. Because for the first time in forever, a cute boy at the pool checked me out. And when I hear shouts coming from the break room, look at faces embarrassed. Unbelievable, asshole. A fragmented sentence that leaked through the walls. When I gather through courage to encounter, I find Emma crying and a wan jack storming out. She looks at me through bleary eyes, and I feel my heart crack. I could never say no to her. I open my arms. She launches herself into them, shaking. She feels small in my arms, even though they were the same size, with the same symmetrical face, the same glossy dark hair, and the same blushed lips and dark eyes. She feels small. She whispers something muffled against my shirt. I ask what she said, and she shakes her head, tears wetting in my shoulder. Let's go home, she says. I agree. We drive in silence for a long time, my concern for her only growing as she trembles in the passenger seat. He cheated on me, she finally whispers, shaking with with two different girls. Ooh, fuck. I fight the urge to slam on the brakes. He what? 
Please don't, she says. I would kill him. Yeah, same. Please don't, she says weakly, placing my soft hand placing a soft hand on mine. She sounds so close to breaking that I force myself to relax, loosening the death grip on the steering wheel, though I'm the one shaking now. That piece of I curse myself up a storm, ending up something with koala that made something with a koala that made Emma smile weakly. Yeah. I'm sorry, Em. You deserve better. You are better. Thank you for saying that, she says. I just want to lie down. She looks sick. My parents begin to fuss as soon as Emma comes in the house. She's never been one to get sick before. She want, She just wants to sleep is all she tells them. Diva is purring and rubbing her legs as if her added attention is the answer to sickness. Emma crawls into bed. Diva perched at her feet like a feline queen and falls immediately to sleep. Butterscotch winds at the feet and I fill my parents in on the breakup. Sleep and time will be the best medicine for her. I sigh, giving Butterscotch a good belly rub before drifting off myself. My sister has always been the delicate one of us, too. Her tender heart was easily lost and easily wounded, and I usually ran interference to, the black, the, to block the terrors of high school dating. I always knew she, w- she should deal with this on her own one day, but I hate seeing her wounded. When I wake the next day, her bedroom door is locked. Butterscotch lay on the floor whining. She must have opened the door at some point because when I pass by again, Butterscotch's wagging thud can be heard inside the door. She refuses to take any food and my parents begin to debate canceling the party. Of course she would of course we could still have the, it just for you, Amelia. And maybe she'll feel like coming down in half an hour if she knows you're there, my mom says hopefully. I hum noncommittably. We'll check on her tomorrow, Dad says firmly, and I curse Jack wherever he is. In fact, I have his number. Yeah, no. I grinned we'll wickedly. We'll check on him on her tomorrow? No. No. Absolutely not. I grinned wickedly at my, as my, the phone rings, eager to pounce, but I bite my tongue when a middle-aged woman answers and informs me that Jack must have been caught, must have caught whatever bug Emma has. More like he gave it to her and the other two oh, girls shit. he cheated on her with. I mumble after hanging up the man... The man was a disease. Before I have the chance to think about it, I find myself driving around the neighborhood looking for his car. It's an old, chic Mercedes with a new paint job and a shop motor. I pull up alongside caressing the carton of eggs on my lap. No! What? The carton of eggs on her lap. She's going to egg his car. Oh, shit. Yeah, I roll down his window and pelt. The thing, satisfied to see the egg oozing over the glossy paint. Period I drive away queen. grinning. Screw that guy for breaking my sister's heart. Period queen. Her closed door is waiting for me when I get home, reminding me that egging his car did nothing to help my sister. Guilt washes over me in a wave, and I find myself knocking on her door. Um, M? Silence. M, can you hear me? I try to handle, but it's... I try the handle, but it's locked. I... I just wanted to tell you I egged Jack's car. I thought you might it might make you feel better. Okay, that was a lie. But hey, if you if it would have made you feel better. M, silence. Okay, good night. No, no, I wouldn't say fucking good night. Are you kidding me? I'd bust down the fucking door. I know. Are you kidding me? Yeah. I pause, thinking I hear a scratching sound, but as I stand there, the sound doesn't repeat. That night, I missed Butterscotch on the foot of my bed. Chester always slept on in Emma's room, and while it was an adjustment to sleep with, with another living fa- thing, I found I enjoyed the company. I drift off dr- of dreaming eyes and someone standing at the foot of my bed. I can't wake up. 
I can't seem to convince myself that this is a dream. I feel pinned by the silver eyes of the shadow at the foot of my bed. They draw closer and closer, looming in the dark darkness. Is Jack a fucking, like, demon? <laughs> the fuck? Leah, comes a voice from the shadow. No, what? Leah? Leah. Pressure slams into the center of my chest, and the great silver eyes are right above me, pushing me down, trapping me down. Leah! It's Emma's voice. I suddenly jerk awake. Her face is inches from mine. I leap, leap back with a shriek. Yo. She giggles. You're so weird. Were you having a nightmare? I could not wake you up. I breathe in a shake. I breathe in shaking grasps, feeling instantly better in the daylight. It takes a few moments to process that my sister's sitting in my room, glowing with health. You're all right, I say, sitting across from her. I know that, but thanks for telling me, she says in the snotty way she's used to, and a knot in my chest loosens. I lean across the bed and throw my arms around her. I was worried about you, I say. I'm surprised I'm surprised that I mean I'm surprised that I mean it. I punch her on the arm and roll away before she can retaliate. Did you hear me at your door yesterday? No, she huh? says, trying trying and failing to look like she's not about to go for a knee. I dance out for a reach. I egg Jack's car. Her eyes widen. No, did you really? I laugh and find myself running down the stairs with her chasing me. My mom looks up at the kitchen and visibly flinches when she sees me. Well, it's nice to be back to normal, I guess. She lights up at Emma's glowing face, and this time I'm completely, 100%, don't resent it. Honey, you look lovely, she says, enveloping Emma in her arms. Emma locked eyes with me and rolls her eyes heavenward. I snort. Well, I'm glad. She pulls back to give Emma once a once-over. Hey, one thing before you begin getting ready for this afternoon i need to feed diva she spent a full day in your room i didn't hear her yelling or i would have tried to uh get in there to feed her earlier is she around oh i'm sorry i don't think i've seen her emma says reaching for a box of cereal it's i'm pretty i was pretty out of it my mom blinks in surprise but that's all emma remembers my mom and i leave emma munching on the breakfast and go up to her room there's no sign of diva my mom raises her eyes and opens a window to the open window above Emma's bed and curses before going to look outside. I remember Butterscotch slept in there, and I tried calling him a few times. I finally hear a tough tussling coming from the crackled closet. Butterscotch is lying on the side, grasping. He rolled his big amber, amber eyes up to me when I cracked the door open and thumps his tail. I pick him up gently in one of the hoodies and call my mom. Hey, Butterscotch isn't looking too hot, I'm, so I'm going to take him to vet. Any sign of diva? No, but I'm sure he's near nearby, my mom says. I pass him in the kitchen and calm her while she begins to panic about butterscotch. Waving her off when she offers to come, I try to ignore the building rage. She let butterscotch in her room and clearly didn't think to check on him even once. I start the car. I give my mom the name and address of the vet in case and drive off. I block two incoming calls from Emma on my way to the vet. I need to focus on not reeking right now. The vet noticeably cringes when she sees me. I hardly care anymore. As soon as she sees my dog, she becomes professional. Did he eat anything? Had he been on any medication? Etc. I fill her in on what I know, which is basically nothing. They take him in, letting me know that I should come grab him tomorrow. So he'll be okay, I ask. It's really hard to say. We'll know more tomorrow. I nod, placing a hand on Butterscotch's big golden head. His eyes are on fire and all his tail thumps against the table. I'll be back for you, buddy, I say, kissing his nose. I remembered Chester in that moment. Our old dog had looked much the same before he'd succumbed to his cancer. 
I get in the car feeling heavy. I am responsible for that big ball of fluff, and this is literally all I can do. Emma chooses that moment to call, and I remember that's all that I can do. I punch, answer hard. Leah, I... What the hell, Emma? I snap. Leah, I'm so sorry, she says. I can't tell he's... I can't tell... I can tell she's holding up back sobs over the phone. I don't care. Not good enough. If you let Butterscotch and Diva into your room and lock the door, you are default responsible for their well-being. You managed to lose one of them and let the other eat something or overheat. I don't know what. I know I shouldn't have let them in, but I was so sick. I wasn't in the frame of mind, and now whatever happens to them, it's my fault. Here she began to cry. I couldn't care. Right, I say, and I hang up. I sit in silence in the car and first revealing but gradually reveling but grad gradually as my emotions ebb and sadness takes the place of rage i have to acknowledge that i couldn't put all the blame on emma's shoulders wouldn't i have let the dog whining at the door in even sick and foggy minded didn't i myself hear scratching without investigate investigating but why didn't emma girl i don't know if anything wasn't i the clear-headed one who deserved who heard distress noises more to blame when i Finally arrived home and see Emma's Emma with a stoic but tear-stained faith looking for Diva. I found, I find I forgive her. I tell her so, and she almost breaks down again, hugging me. She doesn't feel small in my arms this time. There is an energy to her. She's really sparkling with health. We decide to leave a bowl of cat food on the porch for Diva, just in case. I'm not in a party mood this afternoon, but Emma is persuasive, and soon I am dressed in to the nines, and ready to sit, staring vacantly into space for at least an hour, eating a bowl of snacks Emma brings me. Cool party, Timothy, one of our school friends says in the temp of small talk. Huh, I say. I like the balloons, he says. Mm, I say. <laughs> mm. You see that as a joke? Hmm. Wow, usually people love my blind guy comments on party balloons bit, but I see I'm going to have to try harder with you. I'm not going to laugh at your icy puns either. Aw, why not, party pooper? Timothy says good-naturedly. My dog is in the hospital. The vet? Correct me while I'm in pain, why don't you? Shoot down all the hilarious jokes, why don't you? He counters. Touche, I say. I groan and I put my head in my hands. I'm sorry for being such an asshole. I, you really are, Timothy says with a grin, but then if my dog were in the hospital, I'd freak out too. He reaches down to pat the German Shepherd at his side. I open my eyes and find the party spinning a bit. How is it, gal, I ask, and Timothy begins speaking, but I'm having trouble concentrating on the words. People are shooting me side glances. Tim, I'm sorry, I think I'm about to puke. Timothy eyebrows shoot up and I'm already running. I avoid the crowd stalls and head for the grass outside the fenced pool area. Before I know it, Emma's there, her kind eyes swimming soothingly in front of me. I wake up in bed, Emma sitting at the edge, still in her swimsuit, though, in a pair of sweats. Leah, are you okay? You gave me a scare there. I try to smile, but my face hurts. I'm okay. I playfully try and tap at her arm, and without hesitation, she cracks me in the knee. Blinding colors flash across my vision, and I'm breathless with pain. I'm going to go back and let mom and dad know, okay? I promise I'll bring you a slice of cake, she says, kissing me on the cheek. She smells like lavender is all I can think as she's throbbing my knee gradually lessens. She must not have known how, how hard she hit me, or maybe I'm more sensitive now that I'm ill. I feel wretched and, my, and curl into my side and try to give some sleep. I'm tormented by dreams in the same shadow at the front door, silver eyes moving closer in the blackness. When I wake up, it's all... It, to a cool, soothing, 
uh, towel placed against my temples. My mom is there, hovering over me, and I fall back into a peaceful sleep. I wake up again to find Emma sitting behind me. Do you think... Do you think so? Hmm. What? I say, had we been talking? Oof, I guess you're still out of it. I mumble something as I drift off to sleep. In my dream, the shadow is on me now. It slowly, methodically begins to consume me. Staring with my feet, I scream in pain. Emma is at the foot of my bed with a tray in her lap. We made... We made you sandwiches. This seems very Jennifer's body. I know. They should help with your strength. Her expression is kind and her words, words are sincere. I can't help but think earlier who punched my knee must have been wrapped up in one of my nightmares. I'm feeling a bit better and I'm starving. The light and filling, uh, filing food is just what I, not, what I need. Emma stays with me, le- linking her arm with mine reclining in my on my bed beside me i drift off the shadow is there and wake up with my stomach seizing i stand out but my knees give out on me and i fell to the floor and puke emma thoughtfully cleans up the mess and helps me back into bed they bring news the next day butterscotch is doing better but there's still no sign of diva i spend my days i spend my days looking up this guy through the window above the my bed while hoping the strangest thoughts come to me like i hope diva got away but what could that mean? Of course, I'm devastated for my mom not being able to find her. Emma and I are closer than ever now. It's nice to have someone close when it feels like you're losing your sanity. I sometimes see the shadow when I could swear I'm awake. It's been a few days now. I've been in the hospital and my recovery has been steady going. Though they think I need to see a, psych- a physical therapist for several weeks, they don't know what's wrong with me, but the cause of my sickness seems to have left. I'm in shock. I don't know what to say. My sister is missing. We hope she'd run off with the... I feel like it has something with Jack, yeah. We hope she's run off with a boyfriend and will be back any day now, but I'm begging to fear... I'm beginning to fear the worst. I'm back home. Butterscotch and I came back on the same day. We wagged... He wagged the mangy tail when he saw me, and he left my side. Still no sign of Dima, Diva or Emma. My parents are looking at me strangely. They never realized how alike we looked, and they don't seem to wince anymore. Are they twins? That's literally the end of the story. Whoa, no way. What the fuck was that? I'm so confused. Is it like fucking like different personalities? No way. I literally have no idea what I just read. I don't either. This is one that many people have read before, which is that I'm a search and rescue officer for the U.S. Forest Service and I have some stories to tell. Many people have read this, but some people have not, and I have not read the full story of all of this, and I am very excited for this one. Another R No Sleep. Uh, I wasn't sure what else to post these stories for, so I would figure out I would show them here. I'd been an SAR officer for a few years now, and along the way I've seen some things that I think you guys would be interested in. Mm-hmm. This is the first bullet point. I have a pretty good tra- track record for finding bis- missing people. Most of the time, they just wander off in the path or slip down a small cliff, and they can't find their way back. The majority of them have heard the old stay where you are thing, and they don't wander far. But I've had two cases where that didn't happen. Both bother me a lot, and I use them as motivation to search even harder for the missing persons cases I get called on. The first was a little boy who was out berry picking with his parents. He and his sister were together, and both of them went missing around the same time. Their parents lost sight of them for a few seconds, and in that time, both kids apparently wandered off. 
When their parents couldn't find them, they called us, and when we came to search the area, we found the daughter pretty quickly, but when we were asked where her brother was, she told us that he'd been taken away by, quote, the bear man. I heard this one. She said that he gave her berries, and he told her to stay quiet. He wanted to play with her brother for a while. The last she saw of her brother was riding on the shoulders of, quote, the bear man, and seemed calm. Of course, our first thought was abduction, and but we never thought, we never found a trace of another human being in that area. The little girl was also insistent that he wasn't a normal man, but that he was tall and covered in hair, quote, like a bear, end quote. And he thought that he, she thought that he had, quote, a weird face. We searched that area for weeks, italicized. It was one of the longest calls I've ever been on, but we never found a single trace of that kid. The other young, the other one was a young woman who was out hiking with her mom and her grandpa. According to her mother, her daughter had climbed up a tree to get a better view of the forest, and she'd never come back down. They waited the base of the tree for hours, calling her name, but before they called for help, before they called for help, again, we searched everywhere. We never found a trace of her. I have no idea where she possibly could have gone because neither her nor her mother or grandpa saw her come down. Those are just missing children going in the middle of the fucking woods. Terrifying. Yeah. Another another bullet point in this exact same thread. A few times I've been out on my own searching with a canine. They've tried to lead me straight up cliffs, not hills, not even rock faces. Straight. Sheer cliffs with no possible handholds. It's always baffling, and in those cases, we usually find the person on the other side of the cliff, or miles away from where the canine has led us. I'm sure there's an explanation, but it's short of strange. Next bullet point. One particularly sad case involved a recovery of a body. Oh. A nine-year-old girl fell down in an embankment and got impaled on a dead tree at the base. It was a complete freak accident, and I've never forget the sound her mother made when he told her that what had happened. She saw the body bag being loaded into the ambulance and she never she let out the most haunting heartbroken wail I've ever heard. It was like her whole life had been was crashing down around her and a part of her had died with her daughter. I mean yeah. That's what most That's literally do. what it feels like, I'm I sure. A, I heard from another SAR officer that she killed herself a few weeks after it happened. She couldn't live with the loss of her daughter. Oh. Another bullet point. I teamed up with an SAR officer because we would receive reports of bears in that area. We were looking for a guy who hadn't come home from a climbing trip that he was when he was supposed to, and we ended up having to do some serious climbing to get to where we, were, we figured he would be. We found him trapped in a small crevice with a broken leg. It was not pleasant. He'd been there for almost two days, and his leg was almost obviously infected. We were able to get him into a chopper, heard from one of the EMTs that the guy was absolutely inconsolable. He kept talking about how he'd been doing fine, and when he got into the top, a man had been there. He said the guy had no climbing equipment, and he was wearing a parka and some ski pants. He walked up to the guy, and when the guy turned around, he said he had no face. It was just blank. Yummy. He freaked out and ended up trying to get off the mountain too fast, which is why he'd fallen. He said he could hear the guy all night climbing up and down the mountain and letting out these horrible muffled screams. That story bothered the hell out of me. I'm glad I wasn't there to hear it. And I believe yes. this is the last of two bullet points. 
One of the scariest things I've ever heard that it had... This is all one fucking dude that has heard all of these, which is ridiculous. Mm-hmm. I'd never want to be a fucking search and rescue officer. Absolutely fucking not. The horror <laughs> stories I hear, I'm like, absolutely not. One of the scariest things I've ever happened to me involved the search for a young woman who'd gotten separated from her hiking group. We were out until late at night because the dogs had picked her scent. When we found her, she was curled up under a large rotted log. She was missing her shoes and pack. She was clearly in shock. She didn't have any injuries, and when we were able to get to her, she was able to walk back to the base with us. Along the way, she kept looking behind us and asking, that big man with the black eyes was following us. We couldn't see anyone, so we just wrote it off as some weird weird symptom of shock. Yikes. But the closer we got to base, the more agitated this woman got. She kept asking me to she kept asking me to tell him to stop making faces at her, quote. At, at one point, she stopped and turned around and started yelling into the forest, saying that she wanted him to leave her alone. She wasn't going to go with him, she said, and she wouldn't give us to him. She finally, We finally got her to keep moving, but we finally heard, started hearing these weird noises coming from all around us. It's almost like coughing, but more rhythmic and deeper. It was almost insect-like. I don't really know how else to describe it. When we were within sight of base ops, the woman turns to me, and her eyes were about as wide as I could imagine a human could open them. She touches my shoulder and says, He says to tell you to speed up. He doesn't like looking at the scar on your neck. I have a very small scar on the base of my neck, but but mostly hidden under my collar. And I had no idea how this woman saw it. Right after she says it, I hear the weird coughing right in my ear. I had just about jumped out of my skin and hustled her to ops, trying not to show how freaked out I was, but I have to say I was really happy when we left the area that night. Yeah. Uh, yeah, how the fuck? Nope. <laughs> no. That reminds me of a story that I, like, had when I was a kid, where, like, um, I had a friend that I went to middle school with, and she was like, oh, there's a ghost that follows me around, and I was like, what the fuck do you mean by that, buddy? The fuck is that supposed to mean, my guy? She goes, oh, yeah, he always lets me know he's there by doing three dots on the back of my neck in, like, a triangle. And I was like, you are, that's cat. You're BSing me, yeah. Like, cat, prove it. She goes, okay, cross your eyes, he's here. And I was like, cross your eyes? Fuck off. She was like, yeah. I was like, yeah. Or she was like, yeah, cross your eyes and you'll see him. I cross my eyes, I see this man in a button-up in, a, like, black trousers. And he goes, she goes, he's wearing a button-up, is he? Isn't he? No. No. Yeah. This is the last bullet point, which is the one that most people have heard of. Okay. Uh, this is the last one I'll tell. It's probably the weirdest story I have. Now, I don't know if this is true in every SAR unit, but in mine, it's sort of an unspoken, regular thing that we run into. You can try asking about it with other SAR officers, but even if they know what you're talking about, they probably won't say anything about it. Is that you? What? Humming? I heard humming. I'm going crazy. (laughs) (laughs) On just about every case, since we were uh, really far into the wilderness, I'm talking 30 or 40 miles, at this point we'll find a staircase in the middle of the woods. It's almost like if you took a staircase into your house, cut them out, and put them in the forest. I asked about it the first time I saw some, and the other officer just told me not to worry about it. That is, that's it. That was normal. 
Everyone I asked about said the same thing. I wanted to go check them out, but I was told very empathetically that I should never go anywhere near them. I was just sort of, I would just sort of ignore them whenever I run into them because it happens so frequently. That's it. That's all of the SAR officers. I've heard comments. that one. I've heard that I've one heard so that many one, times. I've heard that one, but I haven't heard anything other than just like, oh yeah, I saw stairs in the middle of the stairs. Oh, I've heard stories of the stairs. Like, I've what happens when you go on them. What? Yeah, there's plenty of like, uh, those officers, they'll be like, yeah, I went on the stairs and we lost the scent. Why the fuck would you go on the stairs? No, that's, they'll that's like... terrifying. Yeah, they'll go up the stairs and they will lose the scent. And then there's other times where they'll like go up the... They'll go to like the top of the stairs and they like will kind of like lose sense of where they are for a minute. Mm, no. Yeah, it's like the whole thing of don't go on the stairs is like if they're looking for like a missing kid, every time someone goes on the stairs, they lose the scent of the kid. Like if, when they lose the scent of a kid, they go, okay, who went on the fucking stairs? Yeah. That's how, like... I have another one that's kind of creepy. Go ahead, go ahead. Okay, I was in prison for 15 years. <laughs> there was a skinwalker in there with us. Skinwalker stories scare the shit out of me because I... Skinwalkers? Oh, God, Because no. Because I'm also, like, part Native American by, like, a good amount. Like Really? My, yeah, my great-great-grandmother, uh, her autograph is on the uh, Daughters of America. And uh, on my dad's side, and... Like, Native American stories scare the shit out of me because we go to Native American, like, uh, what is it? Uh, fucking, mm, not observations. Reservations? Reservations. Okay. All the time. Uh, but the thing is, is that, like, we don't go them very often. We used to go a lot as a kid, whenever mm-hmm. I was a kid, but we don't go in anymore, obviously, because I fucking work all the time. Yeah. But, like, no. Those shits scare, scare me so much. I remember, uh, Jenna and Julian on their podcast, they fucking, uh, did a whole Skinwalkers episode. Absolutely not. And I could quote one of the episodes by heart because it scared me so bad. I've never, I've never, like, watched that episode. But this one, I have not heard before. Yikes. And I'm going to read it out. A little background first. I was serving a 15-year sentence in a penitentiary in South Arizona. Definitely not where you want to be. Nope. Uh, what I was in... What I was in there for isn't important. During my stay there, there was countless things that happened that no one could explain, even more than no one wanted to know more about. Yeah, I felt that. It all started with a prison legend. Supposedly, years ago, something awful and unexplainable happened in the prison. Everyone, everyone morn, Every morning, we'd be woken up and expected to stand near the front of our cells while guards visually confirmed that we were present and accounted for. Apparently, about a year ago before I was sent there, the most brutal and unexplainable thing happened before one of those routines. A man who had had a cell to himself looked very off during his check. When a guard pulled over another guard to help him and check it out, they found, they found it wasn't actually the prisoner they were expecting at all. It was a totally different man. Oh. This man was wearing the skin of the other man over him. No! No! <laughs> no. no. This man... Loosely, no with the red heart. Yeah. No. <laughs> Loose fitting, draped over him, apparently looked like a real monster. The scariest things were, though, was the guy was wearing the skin not an in- Was this... The guy wearing the skin was not an inmate. They had no idea how oh. he even got into the prison, let alone a cell. What's worse is that he couldn't even figure out who the hell he was. He, had, he wasn't documented anywhere, and what's worse than that, they never even found the body of the man whose skin he was wearing. Uh, uh, uh. Pretty grisly stuff, I know. 
And I realized that it's not the go-to definition of a skinwalker, but that's what the prison called him, the skinwalker. Didn't help that the guy who, who never talked, apparently. Uh, anyway, that's what started the whole skinwalker superstition around the yard. Apparently, the guy who got shipped to a different spot about a month after it happened, and just about everyone in the gen pop felt uh, all the better of it. I heard about the story on the second day of my stay. Hell of a story to hear in the place of your future home for the foreseeable future. Now onto the real shit, though. Sure, that guy was the skinwalker. But all he did was, in the long run was get an old life, uh, lifer Navajo inmate to tell everyone about an actual skinwalker, and it seemed about the prison culture actually revolved around them. Now, apparently, skinwalkers are tricky to point out, even on the spot. But if you manage to survive around one or more than a mi- for more than a minute or two, almost everyone can tell the mannerisms are all off. They can mimic human speech, but not replica- replicate it. They twitch manically. They can have an unnatural gait while walking. Am I a skinwalker? Me. <laughs> I was literally thinking about the same thing. Uh, but apparently they got better with experience. The old, the old Navajo guy, his name was Carl, <laughs> said, said that he was, uh, he was sure there was an actual one among the prisoners. Slowly picking us off over the years, he called it, quote, the Grandmaster Skinwalker at one point. Apparently, he thought that it had human mannerisms down so well that you might not even be able to tell if it was your cellmate for a day or two. It had skinwalker oh, to God, jump no. at and <laughs> It had to be good. He positioned one night. He would expect a skinwalker to jump at any opportunity for a kill, but this one realized that it had a revolving door of people to kill coming to it and masterfully bided his time as Carl thought for years. A lot of guys found humor in it. A lot more were really on edge about it. Every once in a while in the prison, people would snap. Sometimes you'll find your pres- your cellmate swinging in front of your bunk, strung around the neck by his pant leg. Sometimes you'll, you Sick. just can't tank it anymore, but in our yard, people tend to snap in a very special way. It wouldn't be an outburst at dinner or a silent suicide in the night. Guys would just stop talking, hunch over and shuffle around. Any friendships they would have would be mostly out the window. They would turn into a loner during rec time, and they wouldn't let their hair hang in front of their face. No one liked to talk about it. Like, if they did, I wouldn't. Ha- I, it would happen to them next. I felt the same way. I didn't know if it was a skinwalker or just people going crazy, but I didn't want to find out. It wasn't clockwork or anything, but every time someone snapped in this way, it wasn't more than a couple weeks before they were, quote, shipped off or, quote, transferred to a God knows where without anyone else knowing beforehand. Yikes. Then there was the night nighttime occurrences. Short, loud bursts of silent echoed through... Short, loud bursts of sound echoed through my cell block through, during all hours of the night on a regular basis. It sounded like a mix between pigs dying and a pigs dying squeals and a nails on a chalkboard just another thing no one liked to talk about even scarier were the shadows and footsteps the block was dimly illuminated by in the night by a few lights hanging from the ceiling outside the cells i saw i saw myself i myself saw shadows flit across my walls on a regular occasion when there were definitely no guards near my cell when the one time near the end of my sentence, I woke up, looked at my back wall, and found a perfectly silhouetted person standing there. But when I looked, my bunkmate was asleep and no one was outside of my cell. Nope. Yeah, right? <laughs> That's a fat nope for me. And the footsteps. Period. 
Everyone hated the fucking footsteps. They were the scariest part. In the night, sometimes more rarely than the shadows, you would hear ungodly fast footsteps. No! No. That fucks me up. Okay. They, They sound like wet feet slapping on tile floor. Because whatever caused them... Whatever caused them would fly from one end of the block to the other in a dead sprint. Whatever it was, it was inhumanely fast. If you happened to be awake when it, before it started, by the time that you heard the footsteps on one side of your cell, you whipped your head around to see the thing run by, it sounded like it was three cells past you. Nope. Everyone hated the footsteps. I agreed. I thought they were the worst. I, I was released from that place about a month ago, and I've heard more stories, stories than I can count. I swear it was nearly my turn. About a week before I was discharged, my cellmate, a good friend of mine, quote, snapped in the same kind of way. I didn't sleep for an entire week. Well, I did sleep for, uh, of course, but more, not, never, not, but never more for a few minutes at a time. Never turned my back on the guy. Scariest thing, question mark? I woke up one night somehow shaking. His, I woke up, one night to him somehow shaking his body through the bars of our shell no 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 for reference that's like the wendigo from uh uh, no 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 until dawn yeah no uh for reference i couldn't get anything past my shoulder through them the worst part though quote he was coming back into our cell (gasps) no 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 no. (laughs) my cat just fucking bounced on the day of my release, I didn't say a word to him. Just left. He seemed fine with it, so so was I. I had made it through 15 years of prison fights, gang disputes, and for all I know, skinwalker abductions. I left through the front gates a free man. I walked As I walked along the f- fence for, for the rec yard, I spotted my cellmate standing on his own like he had the last week or so. I shook my head, not even really sure if it was him anymore. I took one last look over the yard, this time from the other side of the fence i wish i hadn't there standing off on his own on the other side of the yard was carl slouched over eyeing the other inmates twitching manically no not carl not carl my boy carl yeah uh skin skinwalkers scare the shit out of me by a lot skinwalkers are like the only thing that like in horror that really still gets because they morph like that's the one thing they where it's morph like, okay they morph and i believe in them because the thing is, is that it's also like native american lore and native american lore is the one thing that you don't fuck with. native american lore you do not like fucking joke about if you no. s- if you hear a wendigo you leave if you think there's a screen crawler you leave like none of that shit you do not fuck with, with native american lore at all yeah whenever they said that um Whenever Until Dawn was like, oh yeah, Wendigo, I was like, fuck this, Are you dude. fucking kidding me, Lord? Are you fucking kidding me? Are you fucking kidding me? Yeah, there's, oh, oh shit. There's one that I, that we will read next episode that I do want to have this as a second series. Because there's, <laughs> there's one series on our no sleep that I really want to read through that I could definitely read through because I have a story to And I will just sit here with popcorn and I'll be like, yeah. oh shit. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, like, there's so many that are so fucking good, but I think I have another one, but let's see. Let's fucking see. Because I know there's another... Oh, wait. I'm trying to see. What? So, have you ever experienced something with the Skinwalker at all? Or any, like, I do not have any 
personal experience with Wendigos or Skinwalkers because I vehemently avoid them. Yeah. Like, because I'm like, ghosts, demons, whatever, I've had experiences with them and we don't talk about it and we figure it out on our own. Wendigos and Skinwalkers... I wouldn't know what the fuck to do, so I avoid the shit out of them. Do you want to hear something that's not supernatural? God, what? Serial killers? <laughs> I woke up during surgery and they weren't trying to save me. Are they fucking him, Barbara? <laughs> Are they fucking you, Barbara? Barbara. Okay. Uh, Alright, let's get this started. It's decision time, 9.45. Why? I'm horny and scared. Me. <laughs> A manly voice said loudly, jolting me awake. I've, the thing is that, okay, that's the one thing that super scares me. I never want to go into surgery because of being awake during anesthesia. Oh, I've heard of that when you're awake, but you can't, like, tell them yes. that you're awake. You're you're completely anesthetized, but the thing is, is that you can feel, feel everything, everything and you can think everything. It's extremely traumatizing yeah. and people, like, I'm so think I've gone through, like, surgeries in my life and, like, that is my worst fear, is that. Is not, like, not waking up. Like, I would rather not wake up than go through, like, the trauma of, like, being awake while anesthetized. Yeah, no. Fuck that. But, here's a story about it. At least it seems like it. Oh, no. <laughs> I felt groggy and my eyes were kept shut by tape covering my eyelids. I tried to call out for help, but quickly realized I couldn't form any words, nor move a single muscle. Was uh, was I paralyzed? Has I been? Have I been in an accident? Question mark. My mind was too shattered, unable to recall even the simplest information. Quote. Prepare the advice. Part one hundred eight. We don't have much time to get it in place. Another voice said. A sharp pain shot through the back of my head, immediately followed by a warm liquid trickling down my neck. I wanted so desperately to cry out in pain, but I couldn't do anything but listen to what happened to something dug deeper into my skull mm. applied pressure right there will you don't you see the bleed the first boy the first voice said it's not working the second respondent said after a moment fine then cauterize it the skin flap is already made the smell of burned flesh filled the air making me feel sick luckily i could i could feel my stomach had already been completely emptied i knew i hadn't eaten in quite some time then it dawned on me surgery i was in surgery but I hadn't fallen asleep and I couldn't move. No. Yeah, no. Absolutely not. <laughs> the surgeon continued to burn my bleeding flesh in the as the pain in Have you ever smelled burning flesh? Because yes. I have. I have. Shit smells weird. It smells like... Yeah. It smells like what I imagine. Toof. Toof? Toof. <laughs> and as the pain intensified, I struggled to think back. All I had was a vague memory of a disease, some sort of cancer growing inside my abdomen... If that was the case, what were they doing inside my head? No. How was he holding this out? This some get out shit. This some get out shit. How None of that. How was he holding up? One of them asked. His BP and heart rate are a bit high, but he's under sure. But he's under for sure. Don't worry. Another responded. While, oh. while I could hear and feel everything they did, I had no means of communication. Perforator drill. They started the drill up, shaking my shaking my body as they put it against my skull. No. The vibrations didn't hurt, but the cracking sound produced as they dug through produced as they dug through is one of one that I'll never forget. No. Shit, did you go too deep? Nah, he's fine. <laughs> nah, he's fine. That's literally me as a doctor. Nah, he's fine. Nah, he's fine. 
One, once the bone cut through, the pain slowly disappeared. With the brain having no pain receptors itself, I could do nothing but listen to the sickly squishes as it rummaged around inside my head. Is the device charged yet? The surgeon asked. Charged and ready, doctor. I felt a vague sense of pressure as something was pushed deep inside my head. Desperate and terrified, I tried to think about the moments before surgery. I'd gone in for a tumor on my pancreas, and while I'm no, uh, while I'm no autonomy genius, that shouldn't be anywhere near my head. Put the electrodes around the device entries set to 650 milliamps. A a high-pitched tone was produced as they power up the device, powered by a violent jolt. And then, dot, 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 darkness. No. This is literally the plot to get out. I know. (laughs) When I finally regained consciousness, I lied... I was lying in a hospital bed. A smiling woman stood in front of me. I recognized her as one No, of not a smiling woman. <laughs> not a smiling woman. Not one smiling. Not a bitch smiling. I recognized her as one of the prep nurses. Thought I hadn't caught her name yet. Everything went great, Mr. Jones. We got it all. She said ecstatic. Wait, what? I responded. It's all right. The drugs must have been must have made you a bit woozy, but you'll be good in another hour or so. A doctor hadn't seen... I hadn't seen before entering the room holding a chart and syringe contan- containing a crimson, crimson, but transparent liquid. So blood, crimson but transparent. Yeah, that's blood. that's bloody. That's good like afternoon. blood mixed with something. Good be. afternoon, Mr. Jones. My name is Ethan. I'm just here to check up on you and finish the treatment. I peeked out at my admin. It stung, and I was covered in a large bandaid. Does it hurt? He asked. Y- yeah, quite a bit. I actually. We'll up the dosage of your pain medication at the moment, but first, let me give you a fi- the final part of our treatment. Now, this stuff burns a bit, waving around the syringe. But even with the most, but even with most of the tumor gone, we've still got to kill off most of the stragglers. Don't want them to fester. As he prepared to inject me with the contents of the syringe, my mind started to clear. The memory of the surgery reminded me with a blast, and I finally retracted my bed, retracted in bed, ripping the IV line out of me. You drilled into my head, I shouted. What are you talking about, Ethan said, visibly confused. I woke up during surgery, and I heard everything the surgeon said. They put something inside of my head. Ethan nodded his head in understanding. Mr. Jones, it's fairly normal to experience vivid dreams while under. Some even feel like they're floating around in the room watching surgery, but some just have weird dreams. It's perfectly understandable to mix up fantasy and reality. No, it wasn't a dream. I felt it. I argued as I reached for the back of my head. There was no wound. Hair still intact and no sign of sutures. As I said, perfectly normal. I calmed down a bit due to his explanation, and I let him reset the IV and finish the injection. It burned as the liquid entered my veins, searing up my arms and my neck. I felt lightheaded. All done, Ethan said, smiling. You should rest rest now. You're here for observation for a few days. You'll be allowed visitors by tomorrow. It had seemed all too real, yet my supposedly incurable cancer had been eradicated only weeks after categorically being told I would die within six months. Even the setup before surgery had been suspicious, starting from another, from no, from a nothing more than a phone call from Mr. Burke, representing a newly founded artifacts pharmaceuticals, founded ar- artifacts of pharmaceuticals. They were working on a new treatment for term- terminal cancer patients, he had said. He told me if I fit the criteria for the pa- for the treatment, free of charge, seeing as if it wasn't FDA approved yet, we would set up a quick meet and he'd explain the procedure, which would be combined with surgery and their new chemotherapeutic drug. 
as the time, my choices were either to die slowly and painfully from cancer or to die quickly on the operating table. Naturally, being in the late, last stages of life, I took the gamble, and that's how I ended up miraculously cured against all odds. The next week came and went. I was discharged with a bottle of pain medication to keep me going while I was healed. Yet I couldn't shake the horrific nightmare from the day of surgery. Out of curiosity, I looked through the papers I had been given by the company, surprised to find that there nowhere in the 50-page long document that did they ever mention the name Artifacts Pharmaceuticals, nor the name of the employee. I tried to call the number that they had given me, but it continuously returned a busy signal. Confused and haunted by the nightmare, I could do nothing but rest and hope that they called me back for a checkup. I needed answers. Dot, dot, dot. Time went on, and after a month in recovery, which I spent most time catching up on my favorite TV shows and was ready to return to work. First order of business was meeting with my boss, Daniel Harrison. He had obviously, he had always been good to me and allowed me all the time off that I needed while I was going through with the treatment. While I wasn't in an amazingly well-paid job, I was happy to be there. Benjamin, I'm, we're great to have you back. He had basically shouted as I entered the office, embracing me in a rough hug. He then returned to more of a professional means of greeting each other and then shook hands as we went on to talk about my future in the company. I sat myself down in front of the front desk when I started hearing bizarre sound, feedback like static, though I couldn't for the life of me figure it out its origin. It was just vague, barely audible at first. I tried to ignore it, but Harrison immediately noticed something was off. Are you alright? You look a bit pale, he said. Yeah, I'm fine. Do you hear that? I responded as the sound kept increasing in volume. Hear what? Uh, never mind. My head just hurts a bit. I said, playing no. off my increasing anxiety. No. 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 He gave, he gave off an odd look while pondering what to say next, then he sighed. Look, Benjamin, I know that it's not easy to recover from such an ordeal. It's a burden, both mentally and physically. In fact, I once went through something similar many years ago, and it left a scar on my self-esteem, like I wasn't strong enough to survive without help. I'm sorry, I never knew, I said, the sound reaching unbearable levels. That's all right. I never really talk about it. It was almost 15 years ago, anyway. He paused for a moment, his wide smile turning into a confused look. It was odd, though. Thinking back, I... It was, I was supposed to be a terminal case, told me I'd be a goner within a year. Then out of the blue, some guy showed up at my doorstep proposing a miracle cure. His story hit too close home, to home for comfort. No. I can't even remember their name, even everything following the surgery seemed somewhat vague, distant. What was the company called again? He asked himself. A boss, uh, my boss chuckled. Ha, it's all gone. I think something that started with A, hmm, art, something, artifacts, pharmaceuticals. Yes, that's the one he yelled, barely, barely audible over the static sound filling my head. How'd you know? That's the same one that fixed me up. They said that they were new. That's odd, he simply responded. I accused, I excused myself from the office claiming the headache was worse than I thought, and Harrison thought that I should take as much time off as I needed. No, he ordered me to take time off. No sooner than I had left the office before the sound stopped. I let out a sigh of relief and hurried back home to once more go over the documents after a fruitless search i tried the internet more phone calls and looked through the, my email filled with thousands of document messages nothing if they had truly cured harrison after 15 years in the past their drug had must have been well past the experimental stage and i demanded answers the sound breaking my eardrums within my own head my awakening during surgery and the fact that no one i knew had ever heard about artifacts pharmaceuticals outside my treatment it was all too much to handle 
I decided that in that morning I'd return to the hospital and find one of the doctors working on my case, but my head was shattered. I needed a rest. That night I spent lying awake, unable to find any comfort in the fact that I was cancer-free. Around midnight, my phone rang, one of my old co-workers, who I hadn't spoken since my treatment. Benjamin? He said in a somber tone. Alex, I didn't really expect to hear from you. Why are you calling me this late? Is everything alright? It's Harrison. He... He's dead. Dead? When? How? Apparently Harrison has suffered from a brain hemorrhage from an undiagnosed brain aneurysm. Not long after I left the day before. Just like that, he was gone. Morning rolled around without a lick of sleep. I headed for the hospital. No, no, I'm good. No, actually, <laughs> I'm doing actually so good. I asked the receptionist to speak to any receptionist for the Artifacts Pharmaceuticals. She screamed she'd never heard of such a company. When I asked for the one of the doctors, I realized I couldn't exactly remember their full names. So I remember. So I asked if anyone in the surgical department is was named Ethan. After doing a quick search on the computer, she simply shook her head. Defeated, I left without answers. I continued fruitless inter- internet search for a couple of weeks, but work quickly occupied most of my time. It was a dreadful place in the wake of Harrison's death. New management took over, and I'd start to move on within life. After half a year, I started to settle down in my life, free from disease, but without, but with an additional few pounds gained from the recovery. It was a futile attempt of combating the weight gain. I returned to the gym, spending most of my time running aimlessly on the treadmill. I was just reaching my first mile, a huge achievement for someone like myself, when god-awful feedback sound returned, the almost knocking me clear off the treadmill. No. I glanced to my side, noticing a man of his mid-40s who had started running next to me. Unlike myself, he was in ungodly, well-kept shape. Wearing an oversized tank top, it revealed a massive surgical scar on the side of his chest, nicely decorated with the tattoo of a tree reading Abortive beneath it. He noticed my pained expression and stared. You alright, mate? He asked as he was walking towards me, the sound intensifying as he got closer, making me clutch my ears in agony. In agony. As suddenly it had begun, the sound had stopped. The man in front of me fell over to the ground, briefly seasoning before lying there, lifeless. He'd suffering a brain hemorrhage. At least, that's what as much information as I could get from the gym staff. But I knew it was more than that. The man had just died in died just like Harrison, the horrific sound preceding his sudden demise. No. I have more. It's almost over. But, that's fucking crazy. Uh, Following the gym event, I visited three separate doctors, begging them to look at my head, CT, MRI, whatever they could offer, I'd take it. I even told them about my cancer treatment, but no record of my hospitalization ever existed. No! (laughs) The first doctor recommended a shrink, the second was clueless, and the third agreed to give me a scan to check of of anything abnormal. Well, Mr. Jones, luckily we settled for a CT, because the MRI would have torn your brain to shreds. You really should have told me that you had some kind of implant. Outside of that, the starburst really basically had your scan unreadable. Excuse me, I said, confused, but not entirely surprised that something in there didn't belong. I'm sorry, a starburst is what happens when we put a metal in a CT scanner, and that's far better than putting you inside a giant magnet. You'd- No, I mean, what implant? I interrupted. The doctor showed me a section of the CT, a large flare-looking artifact covered most of the picture, but its center was a diamond-shaped metal object. I have to ask, have you been- have you had any brain surgery at all? I can't for the life of me figure out what the thing is, but it's clearly not- physiological formation, the doctor said, pointing to the thing inside my head. I- I don't know. 
Well, have you been in any accidents? Maybe a car crash of some other type? Sometimes debris stuck inside you can travel through your blood vessels regardless of where the original injury was. (laughs) I had pancreatic cancer, stage 3, and they did surgery and had some experimental treatment. But what exactly did they give you? He asked, sounding more curious than concerned. It was an injection, I think. It was only once following the surgery. Look, Mr. Jones, I'm not an oncologist. But as far as I know, there aren't any single injections in the market that can cure cancer. What you need to be was month of what you'd need would be months of chemo spanning over central several se- sessions. Whatever they gave you, it wasn't for cancer. He looked over my head and surprise, he found a scar that I myself hadn't noticed, only a minuscule one. Well, you have a scar for sure, but it's amazingly well hidden. Never seen anything so small from veins from a brain surgery. I tried to explain. No. My, yeah. I tried to explain my experience during the surgery to my best of my limited memory, but he couldn't help. He told me I, he'd look into some different pharmaceutical drugs to see if it fit any of my explanation, but he didn't seem very hopeful. He, seemed, he, he couldn't even remove the damn thing, claiming it sat too close to my brainstem or something. So here I am, living life as good as I can, still waiting for answers. Every now and then the sound will return, and when it does, I just stop dead in my steps and run the other way. I can't let anyone else die simply by getting too close. Whatever they did to me, I'm not alone, and there are others out there with the same implants, and I fear that we'll just have to wait and to see what their, other, what their purposes are. If anyone ever gets contacted by Artifacts Pharmaceuticals, don't agree to any of their miracle cures. They're not trying to help us in an italicized link. Yikes. How long ago was this? Is my question. Because that's, that's actually like kind of like a real fuck. That's only a year ago that that was posted. No, with the red heart. That's something that freaks me out. Like, actual like medical horror stories freak me out. Okay. We are over an hour. But, uh, I hope that you enjoyed this R No Sleep. We will have another one of these because these are very interesting to read. I'm like... I'm sitting here like, fuck, popcorn. <laughs> I Like me with my like theater background, but I didn't use it for so long. So like my voice is like somewhat okay <laughs> with like reading things. So like I just, but like me reading it as I come, as I read it, I'm also reading it for the first time. Yeah. Oh my God. No. Some of these are fucking terrifying. There is one that I'm going to read the next time that we do an Arno Sleep that I'm definitely going to read full f- full front because I know it by heart. But Yes. Which is a Skinwalker one. No! <laughs> I don't fuck with Skinwalkers or Wendigos! <laughs> but I hope that you enjoyed this episode and I hope that you listen to this on Halloween to freak yourself out because these are... Like, most of the, honestly, most of the things on our no sleep are, like, most of the ones it's either definitely real or definitely not real, and you can't really tell which ones are which, which is what's scary. <laughs> yeah, I hate that. That's what I hate about our no sleep, or, like, whenever I, like, listen to them on YouTube, I'm like, motherfucker, this could be real. The only one that I know is real is the one that I'm definitely going to read next episode. Motherfucker. But... We will read that next episode. Yeah. It's scary season. We will be reading it's shit. It's scary season. It's scary season till 
till December, bitch. It's, it's scary season until December. Until it's scary season. The only not scary season we have is December, and then the rest of the year is scary. But the thing season. is, that December is also Nightmare Before Christmas, because Nightmare Before Christmas True. comes out that fucking That's movie. my Christmas it's like, movie. It's like January through, like, June <laughs> is, like, the, quote, non-scary seasons, but no, also- No, I still- I still- I still get a little spooky. Yeah. I still like to get a little spooky here and there. We're just horror bitches. We just like, we're just, we just like horror and anything spooky. But yeah, I hope you guys enjoyed this episode. The rest, all of our links will be down below the podcast or our individuals. I have a YouTube channel. I feel like I don't mention that enough, but I have a YouTube channel and y'all should follow it. It's, it is linked down below with all the rest of our social media. The only thing that I have is this podcast and then my Instagram. But if you uh, are down to follow my Instagram, I would definitely appreciate it a lot. Hell yeah. Hell yeah. Be- <laughs> Both of our like TikToks and like Snapchat and Twitters are also there. But like, I look really important. hot in this latest TikTok that I posted really recently. Oh yeah, I'm but, starting to like kind of get some traction on TikTok. Not like I'm not famous on TikTok. No, but I'm starting but to get some traction on TikTok, and I'm like, wait a damn oh minute, wait a minute. My last TikTok I posted today got almost like 300 likes. I saw that. I was like, damn. Gina. I was like, I literally posted that like for fun, and then I was like, what the fuck? I keep getting notifications because you're hot. But the thing is, it was about like my family having mental illness. Fair. <laughs> <laughs> All right, all of our things are going to be down below. I hope you listen next week. We will be posting next week because we are on a regular schedule at this point now. Yes, we are, baby. All right, we will see you next week. Thank you. Bye-bye. Thank you. Bye-bye.